Hello, welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host, Matthew Roberts, and this is Series 2, Episode 238 of this Daily Scripture Study Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us as we continue our study of the Come Follow Me materials for this uh, for this year. Now we are in August 24th to 30th, Helaman 7 to 12, Remember the Lord. And today we're going to focus on the section uh, which is titled Prophets Reveal the Will of God. And we're going to focus in Helaman chapter 7 today. So we see Nephi, uh, the son of Helaman, who has returned back to his home from the land northward after being rejected there. Uh, and he sees the state of the people that he finds. They are in wickedness. The Gadianta robbers have filled the judgment seats. Um, they do no justice unto the children of men. They condemn the righteous. They let the guilty go unpunished because of their money. Um, they get try and get gain and glory of the world so that people can easily more uh, commit adultery, steal and kill. Uh, and there, there hadn't been many years um, for this to take place. So Nephi was in a great state of sorrow, basically. So uh, he was lamenting the fact that the people were so wicked. And he says in verse 7, Oh, that I could have my had my days in the days when my father Nephi first came out of the land of Jerusalem, that I could have joyed with him in the promised land. Then were his people easy to be entreated, firm to keep the commandments of God, and slow to be led to do iniquity. And they were quick to hearken unto the words of the Lord. I do find that interesting because whenever we think of Nephi in his time, we think of Laman and Lemuel and the number of contentions that they had. But notice that he actually says, joyed with him in the promised land. So, of course, he's probably referring to the time when Nephi and his followers, his group, split off from Laman and Lemuel and their uh, families and lived in in their own places uh, separately. Uh, and I'm sure that then uh, the, the people of Nephi were uh, in a good state. Uh, and so we move forward and then we notice that Nephi is saying this prayer in a tower. In verse 10, it says, And behold, now it came to pass that it was upon a tower which was in the garden of Nephi, which was by the highway which led to the chief market, which was in the city of Zarahemla. Therefore, Nephi had bowed himself upon the tower which was in his garden, which tower was also near unto the garden gates by which led the highway. Now, we find when we do a bit of research into this, this is particularly interesting. Uh, in the No Why number 178, why did Nephi prophesy near the highway which led to the chief market? Um, Book of Mormon Central have put together some evidence and research to, you know, what, what were these garden towers like? Uh, where were they placed? Um, we can see... Um, if we, uh, I'll share some of it to you. It says, quote, Wallace Hunt explained, if we look at Mesoamerica, we find that reference to a market is not only proper, but crucial to Mormon's description of Nephi's praying and its effect on the people. According to Eric Thompson, the present day markets of Highland Guatemala are enchanting, colorful and thought provoking, but they are pale shadows of the markets in pre-Columbian times. Morley and Brainerd concluded that the most important economic institution of the ancient Maya was the centralized market. So the fact that there is a reference to a chief market and it, and it does go on a bit further. I'll share this uh, know why uh, on the Facebook group. Um, but basically, it explains that it is indeed true that in ancient Mesoamerica, there was there was a chief marketplace, a main market where um, and it was part of this organized trade network, which Nephi's road was obviously on. 
and that these markets would sell um, to buyers so that they could take the, their goods to neighboring markets to outlying settlements. So this was actually a very important part of the Nephi in infrastructure. And so Nephi has this garden tower on what is going to be a very busy thoroughfare, which explains why, if he's just in his garden near a, a road that leads to the market, that when, when in verse 11 it says, And it came to pass that there were certain men passing by and saw Nephi as he, pour, was he, as he was pouring out his soul unto God upon the tower. And they ran and told the people what they had seen. And the people came together in multitudes that they might know the cause of so great mourning for the wickedness of the people. There was multitudes that came. This helps us understand how, again, you know, the prophet Joseph Smith wouldn't have known of all these different um, cultural um, re um, references to, or, you know, the, the way that the um, in e economy and the infrastructure of the Nephites would have been set up in that ancient time. But, of course, we see that once again, uh, the, um, the Book of Mormon is true to its word, that, in fact, those were... Um, very frequent um, characteristics of these ancient Maya civilizations. And not only this, um, but uh, I'll read a bit more from these um, from this Noai. It says, quote, Furthermore, in some Mesoamerican cities, garden areas were cultivated immediately adjacent to single habitation complexes, and low-rising pyramid, pyram pyramidal towers were enclosed within private family compounds. The convergence of these features in ancient Mesoamerica provides a very believable real-world context for Nephi's public statement, close quote. So it's been found that along these these routes towards these chief markets, there were garden areas in private, you know, family complexes in private homes where there were pyramidal towers built along the road, which, you know, is fantastic uh, to know that, you know, there is this great um, historical aspect to this and that uh, this this will have likely been the, the, the setup uh, when Nephi was in his own tower. But of course, Nephi notices that the, that the group or multitudes of people, is, and this isn't just, you know, several people, this is multitudes of people have gathered, which is, again, because this is a very busy thoroughfare to the, the central market. And then he gets up and he starts to proclaim to them about their iniquities. In verse 17, he begins his invitation to repent, which is one of the things that the manual points out <coughs> about the purpose of prophets. Prophets are called to call, to call people to repentance. Uh, and that is an important part of their job or their role. Nephi phrases it in this way in verse 17. O repent ye, repent ye, why will ye die? Turn ye, turn ye from unto the Lord your God. Why has he forsaken you? Uh, and then he goes on to explain that he's forsaken them because of their choices, their actions. Uh, and Neil L. Anderson said this, quote, The invitation to repent is rarely a voice of chastisement, but rather a loving appeal to turn around and to return toward God. It is the beckoning of a loving father and his only begotten son to be more than we are, to reach up to a higher way of life, to change and to feel the happiness of keeping the commandments. Being disciples of Christ, we rejoice in the blessing of repenting and the joy of being forgiven. They become part of us, shaping the way we think and feel. Close quote. So it is um, an important role that the prophets have to call us to repent. And this calling to repent isn't hellfire and damnation, um, but it's about love. It's about our Heavenly Father really desiring us to come back to him so that we can enjoy the great blessings that are available to us um, if we would just return to him. Uh, and I think it is a, it's, meant, it's meant to be a joyful thing. And the, the term of repentance over the centuries has become a very negative, uh, mal, 
uh, a maligned word uh, is you know it's it's suffering it's pain it's paying back for everything you've done and and making sure you feel the pain of it but actually it's more about turning to god and to and to feel of his love once again uh, in verse 21 we read about how the people uh, have <coughs> been blinded really by wickedness how you know and we see this in their reaction in, in chapter 8 and we'll talk about that tomorrow but um he talks about how their focus is now to get gain and they plunder and they murder and steal and bear false witness and do all manner of iniquity. President M. Russell Ballard said this, quote, President Heber J. Grant says that if we are faithfully in keeping the commandments of God, his promises will be fulfilled to the very letter. The trouble is the adversary of men's souls blinds their minds. He throws dust, so to speak, in their eyes and they are blinded with the things of this world. He tempts us with the transitory pleasures of the world so that we will not focus our minds and efforts on the things that bring eternal joy. The devil is a dirty fighter and we must be aware of his of his tactics, close quote. And that is another reason why we have a prophet. He helps us be aware of those tactics. He teaches us today the things that are relevant for us in this moment, using the scriptures and using revelation to teach us and testify to us of what we today need to be aware of. And this, you know, I said, I shared a video yesterday uh, from a member on the Facebook group who said that this, the video they shared wasn't really to do with what we were studying, but actually, you know, the very next day we're talking about the importance of profit. So it's fit, it's fit in really well. Uh, and so I'm grateful for that. Finally, uh, in verses 28 to 29, um, Nephi says once again, and except ye repent, ye shall perish. Even your land shall be taken from you and ye shall be destroyed from off the face of the earth. Now, this is a very physical um, outcome that he's prophesying that they will lose physical things. But of course, we don't have to lose physical things because of our pride. We can lose spiritual things because of our pride, and that can also be equally destructive. And Nephi says in verse 29, he knows these things because the Lord God has made them known unto him. Um, F, I'm going to finish with this. F. Burton Howard said, quotes, the first step in the repentance process has always been simply to recognize that we have done wrong. If we are so hedged about by pride, rationalization, machismo, or even a misdirected sense of self-esteem as to prevent us from ever admitting that we are part of the problem, we are in trouble. We then may not even know of our need to repent. We will have no idea whether the Lord is pleased with us or not and may, and may become past feeling, but all men everywhere must repent. To fail to do so is to perish, close quote. Once again, as I close this um, study session today, this invitation to repent is for every single one of us listening. It's for every single one of us in the world. No matter who we are or what we've done, we all need to repent because we need to change. We need to come closer to our saviour. And so to change and do that, it is called repenting. Uh, and so... Uh, hopefully we can uh, take this on board as we listen to Nephi's teachings. I mean, obviously the people, it sounds like in that day, were, were really far gone with their uh, their actions and were, you know, were doing all, all manner of iniquity, but it does apply to us also. And so let's take that from a prophet of God. Thank you very much for listening today. Uh, we, um, well, I've enjoyed uh, sharing this with you. I hope you have. I hope that you'll be able to join the Facebook group, Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. And you can share what you've been studying. Uh, and also uh, you can email ldsstudysession at gmail.com if you'd like to join in a future podcast episode as well. Thank you for your time. And until we meet again.